I want to welcome our moderator, Jack Burton from Burton Real Estate. Jack is a top producer who founded Burton Real Estate in 2013 with a focus on residential sales in Chicago. In 2014, Jack co-founded One Companies LLC with a focus on purchasing multifamily and add value single tenant commercial real estate throughout the Midwest. He has acquired and developed several properties over the last four years, and his current portfolio is valued at over $12 million with another $5 million of projects in motion for 2018 and 2019. Please welcome Jack, and I'm gonna let him take it from here. Thanks, man, appreciate it. Hey guys, how's it going? Is everyone awake? I'm slowly waking up. I'm not a morning person, but I've had three cups of coffee. Uh, so I'm getting there. It's an awesome uh, pleasure to be here with you guys talking about something that I'm passionate about, which is investing and developing real estate. Um, thanks to Jordan for uh, inviting me to be here. So, uh, you know, this is an awesome opportunity for us to kind of get together and collaborate, share ideas. It seems like a really collaborative community just talking to people this morning. Um, so I'm going to just hop right in and introduce the panel that we have here. The first is Tony Lupesco. He's a mortgage lender with Fifth Third Bank, and he has a lot of investment real estate experience. He purchased his first rental property in 2001, shortly after graduating from college, and has built his rental portfolio every year. He currently owns multifamily buildings, single-family residences, condos, and townhouses, and has rental property portfolios in three different states. Please welcome Tony. Next, we have Aaron Mandel of App Properties. Over the last decade, Aaron has invested in over half a billion dollars of real estate nationwide, including condo, high-rise, mixed-use planned communities, retail, and apartment developments. Um, Aaron believes it's always better to have a little skin in the game when ramping up pre- and new construction efforts. She joined App Properties in August of 2010 after a successful six-year career with the Bell Gravia Group. Please welcome Aaron. And last but not least, we have Esther Williams with the Ultimate Real Estate Group, LLC. For over 15 years, Esther has worked with a vast array of clients from professional athletes and seasoned investors to sellers and first-time home buyers. As co-owner of Ultimate Real Estate Group, LLC, her finance degree with a concentration in real estate investments has helped her earn a name as a successful flipper as she works to revitalize the Chicagoland housing market, particularly on the south side. Please welcome Esther. All right, I think I'm safe to sit down if I'm not hidden behind this, this amazing podium. <laughs> um, so what we're gonna do today is start with just going through a group of pre-selected questions, asking our panelists and letting them share. If anyone can't hear, just yell. It's the worst thing in the world uh, when half the room can't hear and we don't know it. So just yell out, we can't hear you, and then that means we gotta put the microphone closer to our mouths. We were instructed that these mics, you have to have them like right up here. And so I was, I really, I don't want to mess that piece up. So, so we're going to start with these questions at about 10.35. We're going to break for uh, a Q&A from you guys, uh, and then we'll wrap up. So let's just dive right in. Um, and guys, just please, you know, share, you know, grab the microphone, make sure to talk super loud, and, uh, and, and we'll dive into these questions right away. So the first question, that was selected that people are curious about is just when is it the right time in your career to invest? Tony, he just went for it. I love Tony. it. Um, 
In terms of when the right time is to invest, I would say the sooner you can invest, the better. Um, that would be my recommendation to everybody. Um, you know, I think probably almost all of us in this room are commissioned salespeople. So when we started this career, we're like, when's the right time to do that? It's probably never, right? So it's like you just have to go and you try to do it. I think the one thing about investing in real estate up front uh, or as early as you can, the nice thing is, is uh, the sooner you do it, the, the faster you have the debt reduction and the faster you're paying down the properties and the quicker they're going to be paid off. So like, obviously, if you start early, um, you know, right in the beginning, I think when I first started, it felt like, okay, these things are going to take forever to pay off. It's like so far down the road because uh, if you're doing like a long-term rent and hold strategy, but uh, the time goes by quick and, uh, you know, once you're towards the end of, of uh either paying properties off or having them paid off, that's when you're really gonna be making the, the cash flow on them. So that's why I would say start as early as you can because uh, then you'll benefit uh, quicker down the line. Uh, so first of all, great to see so many new faces. I, uh, I'm really pumped about that. Um, just wanted to say that quickly. In 2006, I, uh, can you hear me okay? Okay. 2006, I sat in the sales center uh, at 565 West Quincy. For three years and uh, 10 people came through in three years uh, so I just want to let you know that in a cyclical business where uh, you're waiting for people to come through the door and uh, buy and sell especially new and pre-construction it's time to diversify so uh, when the dislocation started to rebound I saved every dollar I made and I started to be what I call the small fish in a big pond, right? Like I like to be a tiny investor in a big deal, even if it's a quarter share or a big share of a big development, it's great to be able to, you know, kind of uh, help your uh, commission-based career uh, with some solid investments that tend to return on the year, two year, three year. So after I racked up $30,000 of credit card debt in 2006. I just decided I would never feel that pressure again and I would need to diversify my opportunity to uh, have some kind of cash flow. So I started investing in uh, larger projects, big developments, making sure that nationwide I was uh, allocating funds to interesting uh, debt relief projects, especially mezzanine debt as well. Good morning. So the question was, when is the right time to invest? I think it's now. Um, you guys as realtors and brokers, you already have a leg up. You have an idea of what's going on in the market. I think it's really just about honestly getting over yourself and not being scared to just go out there and, and do it. But the biggest part when you start is when you have your team together. That's, that's the biggest part, having your team. Who are, you going, who are going to be your contractors? Who have you vetted in that regard? Who's your lender? Where's your money coming from? and who's gonna help you manage it day to day. So that's really the biggest part is, stop being scared. Get out there and do it. You already have, you can represent yourself on buying the property, you can represent yourself on selling the property. What's holding you back? It's, it's, that's really it. It's really, talking to brokers down through the years who, who want to be in our position, really it's just fear. And, and it's just start talking to people, and I tell people, get a mentor. If you haven't done it before, you need someone who's done it and who's doing it currently in this market who can help you design a plan. But that's, that's really it. Start now. Just start. Just start putting your pieces to play in place. Thank you, Esther. You guys all did so great. 
That answered everyone's questions completely. We're done. Have a wonderful day. Oh, I'm kidding. We have seven more questions. Do not worry. Uh, number two, how did you save and prepare for your first investment purchase? Well, I'll hop in. I, I should introduce my husband, Jason Williams, over here because we're in business together. Um, we, we started in 2006, shortly after we got married. This is basically our story. Um, and we decided we wanted to start flipping, watching HGTV, HGTV, and decided this is something that we wanted to do. Both of us, his, his father has a background in real estate owning um, property. And mine is just was just strictly education and interest. And we put a plan together. And how we did it, honestly, we saved money. We lived, we were in corporate before I was in biotech sales, he was in pharma sales. And we literally saved a salary. Because back then, we, what kind of loans were we doing then? Oh, five or six. That was um, just the typical rehab loan. Yeah, just a rehab loan. Um, and then, so that's, that's how we started, just putting a nest egg together. And then that's how we started our first flip. So that is, Financially, how we put our, ourselves together it wasn't we didn't have any money from mom and pop. We just store some money aside. But really, today, people really think that it's harder hard to get a rehab loan or, or a hard money loan. It's harder to get a mortgage, a regular thirty-year mortgage, than it is a rehab loan. And that's something that um, that I am, I should say in my experience, I've been hearing. So there's money out there. They care about the deal. They care about the deal, and you all know the numbers. You know what properties are selling for after repair. So you have to put the deal together. Again, don't be scared. <laughs> I forgot the question. How did you get that? <laughs> How did you save and prepare for your first investment? Was it Lyft or Uber? Um, <laughs> how did you know? Was that you at 1230 on Saturday? I don't know. Um, so I really pull it. It really just goes back to that like last dislocation of the market, right? Like I really saved, I think I sold and resold Quincy 13 times, 244 units. That means you can do the math. Um, all those people put down a deposit and left their deposit 13 times over. Uh, so you can imagine uh, the amount of angst uh, that I felt in that uh, period. So from the spring of say 09 through the summer, I probably made half my debt back up. I saved everything and then I just started um, putting myself into development deals. And every development that Belgravia had done moving forward and then with that properties as well, I started to put myself into like the bottom line so that I felt like I had a piece of the long game, the short game, and the commission. Uh, on my on my first property, I'd say I did it just a little bit differently. And again, there's so many different ways to do this. I think everybody that's invested probably has a little bit different story. Um, mine was actually I did seller financing, so I put down a pretty much I, I bought a, bought a multifamily building, put down a small down payment, found the right seller, um, negotiated the right terms, put something together so that. Uh, you know, typically, like it was, a, uh, it was a multifamily building, like I said, and I probably put down a little bit less than 10% of my own money. And uh, I had this seller uh, carry a second, and um, it was just the only way I could get it done at the time. But there's a lot of ways to be creative, so it's not just like you have to save, you know, 25% down or something that like that. Like Esther said, you can do a rehab loan, you can do a bunch of different things. But I guess just again think outside the box and there's a lot of ways to do it even if you don't have all the funds you think you need right now yeah that's great um 
So how and where do you guys find funding sources and what's the biggest challenge when it comes to raising funds? Great question, kind of dovetailing off what you just talked about. Yeah, I would say that um, you, if I've, I've raised money before a, a little bit. Um, it's it, it's kind of I would say it's harder to do it when you're starting off because you don't have a track record so uh, now like people have said to me like oh can I get in can I do this it's like well I would have liked to talk to you 10 years ago it would have been a lot better but uh, you know so I would say especially uh, when I was looking uh, even more so to raise funds it was like 2010 2011 and everyone thought I was like nuts for buying real estate they thought I was like that you know Real estate's like crumbling. Why would you do that? Um, but I think just you know, just talking to your your network, people that uh, people that you know. Um, the uh, one investor that I found was just through a friend of a friend. So I think it's just talking to like you know your close circle, people that trust you, that know you, and like know you have a good plan and what your intentions are, and then you know they'll they'll talk to other people or introduce you to other people as well. To your point, you know, from the beginning, people who want to, there are people out there with money who want private, um, who wants to get involved with deals. You just have to find them. But the, how they can find you is you being busy in doing the work. So as a realtor, you need to start associating with other developers, other investors, so that you can kind of glean from their experience, their portfolio. So you go to someone and say, hey, I'm thinking about flipping this house. I'm, I'm going to speak strictly from flipping because that's my lane. Um, I'm going to flip this house. There are so many people that come to us now, not when we started in 06, they wanted to give us money, but they're just throwing money at us now because we just constantly put out there what we're doing. We keep branding ourselves as flippers. This is all we talk about. We have a success rate, you know, it's a, a, a successful portfolio of probably over 50 flips that we've been attached to over the last 10 plus years. So people just need to know what you're doing. And if you're, you're, the other big thing is, is your credibility. What's your name? You know, people are not gonna give you money if they consider you to be shysty or shady. So I tell people in everything that you do, make sure that you keep your name clean. No deal is worth you going down for, your name and your brand. And if, and, and again, as a realtor, I think that's your leverage. Coming to people say, hey, I can sell it. I've been in this marketplace. I know this neighborhood. I know the numbers. And that's, again, what you can take to a lender, a hard money lender, or even a private um, person who has money, who's willing to, to share and make some money and help you make the money, too. Uh, so most of the raise I do is all uh, private. It's not uh, bank-related. Uh, I think the, the thing that I've really like, enjoyed the most is you know, finding, uh, does anyone remember when Fulton Market wasn't Fulton Market? Like, it was just kind of like some buildings and like, maybe some weird warehouses and like there were like two trucks. So uh, I I found a, like a, this is like a good success story. Like I, I found a, a pocket listing before pocket was even a word. Uh, and it was uh, like 3,000 square feet at $550,000. And I had a, I mean, crazy, crazy town, 550,000. And I had, you know, he, the my buyer was, uh, interested in making a big life change and so he took huge leap uh, faith on me and we ended up securing the property it ended up being his home and uh, we just sold it for 1.8 um, which is crazy um, 
with no dedicated outdoor space. But I suppose uh, <laughs> what I'm thinking, <laughs> Fulton Market is blowing up. If you haven't been there, uh, try to find parking. Um, I think that, uh, to your point, credibility and reputation is everything, right? Like the straightest way from A to B is a straight line, and uh, I tend to you know, really try to work every angle of the deal uh, from being on the front line to the back end to really understanding the mechanicals of the financing and uh, marketing the property appropriately. And people tend to ask me when my next deal is and then they, you know, tend to contribute X amount of dollars, 10,000, 15, 50,000. And uh, then you have a lot of people that are looking for you to not mess up so you never feel any pressure um, ever. Like life's super cool and calm. Uh, but it's a really good way to be able to develop and improve upon land because you know you're like have a band of people with you that believe in uh, believe in your spirit. Thank you. I'm gonna hop in on this one too. Uh, so I think with investment deals, the key thing to remember is that if it's a great deal, funding should never ever ever be an issue. There is so much capital out there that wants to do good deals. Um, whether you need to use a bank loan or you need to use private money. Um, and honestly, a great tip is, is literally reach out to people that invest in the space that you're looking to do and JV with them when you're getting started. Because like I said, if you find a great deal, you know, capital will be the least of your worries. So I think like what these guys said, 100%, like it's gonna be way harder in the beginning for someone to trust you, but that's where you can maybe bring them on even if you have to take a minority share in the deal just to get started. Um, there's so many people that are looking to invest right now and always, even in, even in downturn markets, uh, it's just finding those people that have the appetite for that. So this is the great question kind of on top of that as well, is, is how did you finance your first loan uh, with such a strange financial background as an independent contractor? And yeah, maybe talk through if you guys had any issues um, with getting that financing, whether it's due to lack of track record or type of property, I think that'd be great. Um, on my side, I actually uh, wasn't technically ever an independent contractor, but in terms of answering the question, I think uh, a lot of times people think it's it, on like, let's say if you're getting a commercial loan or um, there's other, there's different types of loans, obviously, you can get a residential loan, you can get a commercial loan. The nice thing is if you're, let's just say you're looking on the commercial loan side of it, basically they're just cash flowing the property. So it's not really based off what your income looks like, as long as the property cash flows, um, you should be able to get, get a loan regardless of really what your tax returns show. So a lot of people don't realize that, but it's, it's true. They're, on the commercial side, they're just looking strictly how does the property perform? Because basically if you didn't pay it and they had to take it back, is it gonna cash flow? Is it gonna make money? Can they sell it? So it's not something that you really have to worry about if you're getting a commercial loan showing you know, great numbers on your tax returns or anything like that. Um, so I do a really different thing. I borrow against myself. Uh, so I usually take a loan on my own money. Uh, it's tied to the LIBOR, it's usually around 3% and it puts a little pressure on me to make sure that I'm uh, uh, doing, uh, doing a good job. Uh, so I think that that's really like been the key for me is that when I'm going out and finding people to collaborate, I say, hey, it's my skin, it's my cash, I'm borrowing against myself, I believe in this enough to take the risk on something I've already earned, how do you feel about contributing X, Y, and Z? Um, and they're really all very small investments that add up to like a big pool of something in the end, so. 
I mentioned before, we just use renovation loans, rehab loans, so that's how we, and then line of credit, because over the years we've just established ourselves, so we have lenders that have extended lines of credit to us. Cool. So on this one as well, I think I could give you two kind of case studies. The first property I ever bought was a six flat apartment building. And it was actually really challenging, you know, because we didn't have any track record. It was in an area of town uh, that lenders were less excited about that was just starting to change. And so we probably went to like 20 different people, me and my, my partner, looking for money before one said, okay, we'll, we'll, take, we'll take a chance on you guys, uh, it being your first deal. And I can tell you like the first deal is always the hardest. And then the second uh, property, or I think the second or third, it was a, a commercial property with a good amount of improvements on it. Um, and it was a, a more interesting property class. Uh, again, probably went to 25 lenders and they all said no. And that was a deal where we did exactly what I said in the last one. We said, you know, we're going to bring in a more sophisticated developer um, that, you know, had a stronger balance sheet than us. We gave him 33% of the deal, and that's how we got it done. Well, then when we went to do deals two and three, we had endless amounts of banks that wanted to finance us. So, you know, again, I think, like, it's always just thinking creative. Tony made a great point. Like, if you can find sellers that are willing to carry paper, you can put less capital down as well. That takes some of the risk off the bank because they're going to sit second to the bank as well. Um, so, you know, again, it's just the most creative person wins in, in, in the financing realm as well, as well as the deal-making side. Uh, so there's always a way to get it done, and I think just keep encouraging you guys to think creatively and not be afraid to, like, bring other people in to kind of get you started. So number five is what's the best way to get into new construction if you haven't built before but have done lots of renovations? Okay. Does anyone do new construction? Okay, I, I do a little new construction from yeah. time to time. Uh, um, the best way to get into new construction is to not take on too much. Uh, I think that, uh, I don't know if anyone's seen like the corner of anything and anything in downtown. Uh, we're seeing a little bit of an overbuild right now. Uh, so um, I think my, my best advice would be to take on something small, like a a two flat, a three flat, a four unit building. Condominiums tend to be rather difficult because you have a lot of personalities and people getting in there. You have a construction loan, you have a MES loan, you have uh, the city, you have permits, you have aldermen, you have the community, you have your contractor and everyone needs to have a solid reputation and I couldn't stress that enough that like reputation really is everything and to partner yourself with the, the best and then making sure that you're acquiring the land at an appropriate price. I don't know if anybody is realizing uh, that homes may or may not be selling in a day, <laughs> from time to time, uh, not regular. Uh, so I think right now would probably be not the best time to acquire land. Um, I think we're gonna start to see a better opportunity to acquire land uh, maybe in the next year or so, but I think that that really kind of like sets the tone as to how you're going to be able to uh, bridge the profit on the back end. Else? <laughs> oh yeah, Aaron, that was great. I think the land piece is, is really where you make all the money in your construction, right? You can have some degree of certainty um, with your build costs, and I say some degree of certainty. There's always going to be changes and, and things that you can't anticipate, so I think that's, that's great. Um, can you guys talk about 1031 exchanges and how and if you've used them to grow your business? Um, 
Yeah, I've, I've done uh, a couple 1031 exchanges. Uh, I try to, most of my stuff, I try to hold, uh, uh, basically hold on for uh, long-term rentals. But uh, I have done a couple, I had a couple of condos that were part of a uh, deconversion. So I was basically forced to sell. Um, but uh, the nice thing was is that uh, really for anybody that doesn't know, the, uh, the 1031 exchange is basically where you can defer any uh, taxes like uh, on a gain. Uh, basically push it off to the next uh, uh, to the next property so it's something that it basically defers taxes so you don't have to pay them right now and you can pay it in the future so um, what I would say on the on the 1031 uh, it is good because you can turn if you have a profit and let's say you have one unit and you want to sell it and step up and maybe buy a big, bigger uh, building or another unit you're not you're not paying the tax on it so basically it gives you uh, when you when you sell a property, uh, you have 45 days to identify a property and then 180 days to close on it. So it it, um, it actually gives you a big advantage. And even one thing, kind of as a side note, uh, uh, not directly related to the 1031, but one of the nice things is for uh, well before before I was in the mortgage business, I'm a CPA, so I used to do taxes and stuff like that. But like for all the real estate agents in here you have like such an advantage because the tax code um, is so geared towards you on as an investor because basically uh, you have to be like a real estate professional in order to take like all the depreciation regardless of uh, how much your income is. So the nice thing is as a, as a realtor or broker, you qualify for that pretty much every time. So it's, it's a nice, it's a really good tax shelter um, if you invest in, in property. So I mean, I think, uh, uh, for all the real estate agents, it's another good reason to uh, dip your toe in, into it because it gets you uh, a lot of tax benefits. Yeah, okay. yeah I think, he I think Tony, he yeah, he, you covered so much of it and it was, it was great. I mean, we could literally probably have a whole other uh, breakfast talking about the amazing tax benefits, yeah. you know, outside of like he hit on it briefly and I think it's probably one of the most powerful things that you guys can learn about is is yeah, being able to take depreciation, accelerated depreciation, which is another thing to look back onto or come talk to us about. Um, the ability and, and the amount of money you can save developing and then sheltering your income from brokerage, because I do brokerage as well. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. And, and Tony hit the nail on the head. It's, we have a very, very unique opportunity in our industry because we can be seen as a professional investor. Um, and then, yeah, the only other thing I can think of with the 1031, you know, I'm a buy and hold guy too. I've never sold a property, you know, but if I ever did, you, you better believe I'm 1031ing it until kingdom come, um, you know, and, and the reality is, yeah, you have to, the other two things that you got to pay attention to is you're going to have to buy a property that's uh, of slightly greater value, you know, so if a simple example, you sell a property at 200, you're, you're buying at 201. If you had 100,000 in debt on that property, you have to have 101,000 in debt. So you have to have slightly more debt and then you have to have slightly higher purchase price. Um, but yeah, I love it. Love that you have the CPA background and it makes perfect sense why, why you own so much rental property. Um, next question, do you ever invest with other individuals? If so, how do you structure and manage that? And how do you identify good partners? <coughs> Yes, we, we do invest with other people as well. We've structured a number of deals plenty of different ways. We've had people that come to us out of state to say, hey, I have 
X amount of dollars, I want you to flip this house. So we'll structure a deal where we're, we'll take um, a percentage of the profit. And, and that deal, just being very candid, we'll take a larger part. Even though they, they have the cash, we're managing it. It's our expertise and we're all but guaranteeing you a, a return. So on deals like that, sometimes we'll do 60%, a 60-40 split. But we don't have, and sorry, we don't have any financial skin in the game. <laughs> but, um, but that's how that deals like that. There's so many ways. You can have people that have the money and you take their cash and you your leverage, again, your experience, and you say, hey, I can flip. And maybe you'll do a 50-50. Maybe you're willing to take a smaller percentage because this is your first one. But there's plenty of ways to not even have to go um, hard money. You can do you know, private money. Um, we've had people where we've had a contractor that we've done really good work with and they want to do the work. They said, we'll get the materials, but I have to approve the materials, um, the finishes per se. Um, and then we'll do a 50-50 split. There are so many ways that you can structure um, deals. Somebody may have the, they may want to have the loan, but sometimes it's they'll have the cash. We'll take the cash and we'll, we'll do the loan and then we'll use the cash for the rehab. So it's, it's so many different ways we can get so creative about how to finance a project, but I think starting out, leverage your experience, that you can manage it, that you can pick, you should know finishes, you should know what buyers are looking for, you're out with buyers every day. You know what makes their eyes light up, you know what makes them like, why did they put this you know, in a place? So you have all those ways that you can sell to someone who has private money that you can physically and successfully flip a project, so. Uh, in terms of the partners, I'd say the, uh, I, I have a, a main partner that I own most of my real estate with, and I would tell you that if you're gonna get a partner, I would, just two uh, brief recommendations. One would be that um, make sure you have the same long-term goal, because I've seen a lot of other friends that I've had, it's like, okay, they get in and it's like, yeah, this is great, we wanna do this, and then, two years, one person wants to hold it, one person wants to sell it. Um, so I, I think just make sure your goals are aligned. And then the second thing would be, uh, if you're going into it, just make sure that um, you're kind of defining the roles of each partner and the responsibilities. So like in my partnership, like I do certain roles, uh, he does certain roles. So it just, it makes it flow well because we know what we're supposed to do. Uh, we each have our own uh, piece of it. So it's not like, uh, you know, someone ha is carrying all the burden, and then the other thing is we both have the same long-term goals, and uh, so that makes it easier that we have the same vision. So I would say align yourself with somebody that you can break up the responsibilities with if you want to have a partner and have the same long-term strategy. Yeah, I I think what these guys said is awesome. The only thing maybe I'd add as well is just like, in addition to that, like other creative. Uh, structures for real life examples like uh, you know most of I'm like Tony I have one partner that we're 50 50 in, in pretty much everything we do and then but recently we had two deals that we we were putting in majority of the equity but uh, we needed about hundred fifty thousand dollars to get the deal done with the terms we got from the bank so we brought in two limited partners on that deal and it was great for them uh, you know we gave them an 8% preferred return on their capital every year so that meant, you know, and our capital counted as that limited partner capital as well, right? So we're putting in money, they're putting in money, all of our money gets 8% preferred, and then over that, they get 50% uh, pro rata of how much they invested, and then we took the other. So we were able to still take 50% of their upside over 
that threshold. So again, there's always a way to make these things work. Um, and, and even if, you, if you're, you're shortfalling them, what Tony said, I couldn't agree more because I've had um, you know, good and bad experiences working with other people. And you know, the biggest thing is like business partnership is literally, it's marriage, you know? And would you ever uh, you know, get married to someone that you went on two dates with? I hope not. Uh, I did that in business one time and it was a big mistake, right? Uh, so he, 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 again, I mean, that, that was so perfect. It's like, make sure your goals are aligned, right? getting married make sure your goals are aligned um, because it's hard you know two people have two different ideas where do you guys want to go with this um, how long do you want to be in these deals for and make sure you like being around that person as well um, <laughs> key, key. Uh, number eight if you had to start over investing would you still go down the same path or would you take a different one Uh, things are working out pretty great. Uh, so I don't think I would do anything differently. Um, I think the more you diversify your opportunity to get into any type of, I mean, retail, mixed use, land, apartment buildings, uh, construction loans, condominiums, and I'm talking like minimal investments, like uh, a quarter share of a, a development deal is usually somewhere around 12500 right? So it's not like a, a $100,000 uh, investment to get your foot in the door. This is a relatively minimal dollar amount to get yourself into like a bigger, a bigger transaction and you get familiar with those investors and you tend to follow those people around uh, to different developments. I wouldn't change anything. <laughs> I, just, I love what I do. And for me and my lane, I'm staying in it. Um, yes, we do have uh, income property as well. I don't like being a, a landlord personally. That's why you um, manager. Exactly. Um, but that's why I've been farming that out. Um, but the flipping game, I feel like I can flip a house in my sleep. So we're just in the process now, just scaling up, doing some other, other things to intern a new construction space. But I wouldn't change a thing. So I, I think it's the it gives you a good blueprint for everything in that in my arena it lets you see sort of everything uh, i would say on my side it probably wouldn't change much i would say that uh I probably would change some of the purchases I made in 2006 and seven, um, but uh, said everybody. Yeah, right, exactly. But but you know, but at the same time, I learned a lot from it. Um, it, it. It taught me a lot with the you know with the big downturn and things like that. But uh, um, I would say no for the most part. I'm, I'm glad that I did what I did and started. Like I said uh, earlier in the beginning, like started young, so. Again, I would encourage uh, people to start right away. And the, the only other thing that I would say, just that I want to add, is that uh, at least on my side, and I'm sure probably everybody else up here, is that um, you probably had somebody that was a mentor or helped you like along the way that you didn't really know much that you relied on a lot. So I, I, I would say that uh, from you know sometimes I have people come and ask me questions and. Uh, things of that nature. I'm always happy to help because when I started off, I had no idea what I was doing. I mean, I was like 21 years old. I had no idea what to do. So I had, I knew some people and I met some other people, just picked their brains to try to see what would work and what wouldn't work. So I would say like, don't be bashful. If you know people that are in the game and are doing it, ask the questions because they're probably going to be happy to tell you some of the pitfalls or mistakes that they make that they wouldn't want to see you make.
Yeah, that's awesome. I, I think I can say I have a major regret, and it was not starting earlier. You know, I'm 31, and uh, I did it. I bought my first property in 2015, and then I was just hooked. And uh, honestly, the only thing holding me back was fear before. You know, you can literally, I, and a property I bought two years ago was, you know, uh, an, a three flat to owner occupy because I, I know the broker business. I know you can buy these things with three and a half to five percent down. And so, like, do that now, even if you don't have a lot of capital. That's something I wish I would have done that when I was 24 years old, right? I could have made that happen and I didn't. And I could have bought in at an amazing basis. So, you know, again, like, even if you don't have a ton of capital to get started, there's deals. And even if you do, go buy a building like that and live in it. You know, that building I was able to, because we're, we're brokers, right? You get your attorney to do everything for free. You get lenders to give you credits. You know, your inspector does it for free. I think I bought that building with like, you know, fifteen twenty thousand dollars $20,000 down. I live in it. The whole mortgage is covered by the two tenants in the building. And if I moved out now, it would cash flow about 1800 a month. So for 15 grand, I bought myself 1800 a month on that one deal for the rest of my life, right? I'll never sell it. So you can do that right now, right? And I think something, you know, so I just, I, huge regret. I wish, you know, I lived in Logan Square in like, you know, uh, 2008, 2009, and I saw what was happening in that neighborhood. I could have picked up a three flat there, you know? Um, but, you know, just, just take advantage of those things now while you can. Um, and then also, I would say too, what, what he was saying, find, find mentors. I think I can speak for all of us. Like, it's 2018, you know, you, you can find us, connect with us, email us, call us, go on social media. I love helping people. I love talking about this stuff. I, I'm sure all these guys are the exact same way um, because it sharpens us, right, to talk about it. And we're gonna learn things from you too because you have an interesting and unique perspective. Um, so, so that kind of concludes our, our fixed question time. Now we're gonna shift to about 10, 15 minutes of questions from you guys. So if you want to ask questions, you have a question, go ahead and raise your hand. Uh, I see right back here. Chris, what, what, do, what do you got? So I have more of a comment than a question or a takeaway. Yeah. Um, I think this topic is probably one of the most important we'll see. And this panel is great. Some of the advice they've given you guys is fabulous really learn from today and take that with you. Your commissions are great. They're gonna pay your mortgage, they're gonna pay your rent, they're gonna pay your car. Investing is what's gonna pay for your kid's college and create generational wealth. And everyone in here knows real estate. It's what you do for a living. Take a bet on yourself and invest in something. Most people don't because they're afraid. And I'll tell you, they're sitting back, they're waiting to hit a home run. Not every deal is a home run, especially your first deal, right? Jump in and give it a try. I bought my first deal when I was 22. I had no clue what I was doing. It was a disaster. I had to replace the furnace, the plumbing, the roof, everything. Two years later, I got out of that property with a 3% return. It was worth its weight in gold. I learned building systems. I assembled my team. The free education I got, <coughs> from my 3% return, created the rest of my career path. So don't be afraid to fail. Don't be afraid to make a small return or break even. I can't reiterate enough what you said, now is the time to start. Take what these guys said and go buy something. Give it up for Chris. Drop the mic. <laughs> right here. Do any of you guys 
So the question was, do any of us have uh, investments in Airbnb? If so, what do we think? Any of you guys? So I, I, I don't, I've looked at doing it. I know a guy that runs a company doing Airbnb management, okay? So he actually, for a broker client of ours that bought a building in Logan Square, um, he actually, so he has two, two kind of verticals to his business model. One is they'll rent the apartment directly from the owner at a premium and then they keep all the upside. Okay, does that make sense? Like that apartment I think was, he would have rented it for maybe 1700, 1750. So these guys, uh, I think they came in and paid him 1950 a month. And now they manage everything. They put the furniture in it, they lease it out, and they keep all the upside, right? Over the 1950, they're paying him. The other thing is that, you know, they will actually manage the Airbnb reservation process for you too. Um, and, you know, again, then you're taking the risk on, on making sure it's occupied and you're getting some sort of premium. But I have another buddy that does it, you know, he bought a house in South Bend, Indiana. And people pay insane numbers, you know, to, to do, uh, you know, game weekends. And you can buy property that are very, very cheap, and it's been very lucrative. So I think 100% Airbnb is a, is a great thing. I think the biggest risk there is, uh, you know, just looking at what the cities are going to do. Yeah. And if the property doesn't make sense as a rental and only as an Airbnb, yeah. I wouldn't do it. You know, so have your downside uh, protected and have that margin of safety. Mike. Yeah. So the question was, you know, Mike said, I'm aware capital is available, but where are you guys finding deals? There's a lot of buyers in the market. It, it feels saturated. Uh, so where are we locating deals um, that are, are good opportunities? I, w I would say, um, I mean, in, in, uh, for me personally, it's just basically like, uh, I pretty much stick to like, I've started building in like a certain uh, area um, my network and so it's just I, I, I feel like for me it's just been over time I've been doing it for almost 18 years now so it's been I just have so many contacts that things come things come up and people call whether it be like um, uh, an agent in the area that has like the listing or somebody knows like the seller or something like that um, I would say the the good you know let's just say the um, as Chris had said earlier, the, the home runs probably aren't out there as much as they, they were in the past. Um, but there's still there's still good deals. I mean, so even like this year, there was a I, I was going to pause a little bit and um, uh, on my acquisitions, but there's probably been like four or five deals that came uh, came were put in front of me that I had to jump on because they were they were really good. So I just I think that if you're in the game and people know that you're doing it just people like a lot of the deals will, can start coming to you if you just put it out there that I'm looking to buy properties in these areas and just let your network know and let people in those areas know and you'd probably be surprised of of what happens I mean even just last night uh, for example I own property uh, a condo and I tell the people there you know I'm an investor I'm always looking to buy something and somebody called me last night and said we're looking to sell it's going to be under market so probably gonna end up buying the property but again it's just letting people know if I didn't you know go to the board meeting and let everybody know I'm an investor I'm looking you know I'm looking for more units if you're looking to sell give me a call that kind of thing
Uh, <clears throat> I so this my last deal is in Lincoln Park. Uh, it's on Clark and Arlington, and it took four years to acquire. So um, it was there. It was available, and it's actually land that was never built on before, if you can believe it, ever. Um, it was uh, the it was four lots or three and a half city lots, Lincoln Park lots attached to a single family home. And it just took a really long time, a lot of discussion with the neighborhood and the aldermen. Um, and it was just a waiting game. So I just had the patience and the brokerage to help balance out uh, the, that whole entire process. Um, but it's really cool because it's a historic street. So now when I walk down Arlington and it's being built, it's pretty cool to know that we've been able to improve, uh, improve the land. So uh, for flipping, we get our properties from a number of sources. Um, to their point, people need to know what you're doing. We get so many calls for off-market deals. Hey, my grandmother needs to sell her house because we're, you know, we're purchasing, acquiring foreclosures for the most part or distressed properties. So, um, and then people desperate sellers. Um, so everybody knows that we're always on the hunt for properties. So we get a lot of off-market deals. We also get properties from the Cook County Land Bank. That is an excellent source for people looking to um, to flip in, in Cook County. Um, the MLS, obviously, is a lot of competition there. I tell um, mentees, if you're doing hard money, it's gonna be a lot, because people in MLS, you know, most investors are buying cash, so that's, it's kind of hard to buy properties that way. It's not impossible, but a lot of times you have to, to up your price, you know, cash is king. So, but those are the ways, you know, we, sometimes I consider myself a walking, you know, those signs, we buy houses, no, you know, so that, that's kind of how you have to be because it's, it's, it's hard to find deals. And we don't buy just every house. We don't buy anything. Um, it, it has to have certain criteria for us to know that we can flip it really quickly. Yeah, I think the, I can't stress to the off-market piece is, is that's that's a lot of I think I, I find some on and off market stuff. Oh, and wholesalers I forgot. Yeah, that's wholesalers a big piece. great. Wholesalers, um, they just find us and they send us lists and properties. So if you're looking to flip, you need to connect with wholesalers as well. Yeah, yeah. So I would I would say literally if you have a specific type of property that you're looking to buy, make a database. You know, you can literally hire someone, a virtual assistant that'll that'll build that whole database for you and mail them. You know, say please call. One of the best deals I ever done I've done was that exact thing. You know, they called me a year and a half after I sent the letter. Uh, you know, and it was a complicated deal. And it took it was kind of similar to Aaron. It took about a year and a half because we had to buy a property next door to make the deal work. But it's amazing, you know, what that does uh, in terms of giving you opportunity. So, next question, right here. Do you have an exit clause for partners or investors <laughs> who needed to like take their investment? right away for emergency or for something, you know, for some valid reason. So the question was for, if you're bringing in partners to a deal, do you have some sort of clause in your operating agreement? Uh, if they want to exit and they want to get their capital out, what does that look like? Death. <laughs> Just kidding. Um, I think uh, there's always a downstroke, right? So I think you have to just um, make sure when you're involving yourself with partners, I think you just have to find the strength and weakness and understand that like if somebody, I kind of made a promise to myself in broke. I didn't kind of, I made a promise to myself in brokerage after I sold about 1,500 people their first homes in my early 20s, right? So I saw them invest a good amount of their 
uh, every dollar into a market that tumbled. And so I promised myself that moving forward, I would never sell anybody a home that I couldn't get them out of in a year if something bad happened, because something bad did happen. Uh, so I think in all the partner deals that I structure on the development side, uh, there's a way in which there's an exit clause if there's a catastrophe, right? So if you have catastrophe, loss of job, um, sickness, uh, I think that uh, there's always somebody that can come and pick the, the balance of the debt up. Uh, but we try to make our deals like a year or less. So uh, hopefully within that year, something catastrophic doesn't, doesn't happen. But of course, life happens because that's what we live in. Not death, sorry. Yeah. Just trying to bring some levity to Manny in the morning. Okay. Anyone else? Yeah, right over here. This is our last question. It's a lot of pressure. Uh, it's a quick one, too. So thank you guys very much for being here and sharing this wealth of knowledge with us. Um, just wondering for folks who are doing their first flip or their second, do you guys do any consulting work where you'd be able to help out people to you know, get through the deal? So the question was for people that are doing a first deal, do they do it? Do we do any consulting work uh, to help out folks? All the time. So from years of people asking to pick our brains, we started a, a course. It's called the Ultimate Real Estate Blueprint. So we teach it about twice a year. Um, it's a two, it's a two day course. The first one is the classroom set, and the second day we take you through at least three properties in various stages, so that you can actually walk in and we can talk about the decisions that we made. We talk about you know, what it costs, give you an idea. I mean, we just teach you pretty much everything that we can in a two-day um, course. And then outside of that, um, we don't have one scheduled yet for the, for the fall, but outside of that, we do offer mentorship where we take people um, by the hand from the beginning to the end and help you um, to flip up your first property. Else? I'm always happy to help. <laughs> Same answer. Yeah, and I can say as well, I love doing that. I'm actually, I had some friends call me, they found a couple properties, uh, commercial properties in Michigan, and they said, we know you understand these things, and I'm, I'm gonna actually probably buy those with them. So I think I can speak for all of us. You call us, you know, whether it's just for help, not to be involved in a deal, call us. If it's for, hey, we need help making this deal happen, can it be you or do you know someone? Call us, you know? Uh, I think that's what seems really cool about this room is, is the ideas here are, being shared and the point is we're all trying to learn and get better. Uh, so that's all the time we have today.